Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. Hey, well, today we are in week number two of our fall series. We're calling it, G- uh, He Said. It's a, it's, a, it's a series through the red letters of Jesus. And I'm just gonna tell you, I think one of the best things you can do is study the gospels. If you're stuck in where to study the Bible, just get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it over and over again. In fact, I've asked you for the whole month of October to read the four gospels and read them again and read them again and read them again. And let's get familiar with the teachings and the language of Jesus Christ. In many of your Bibles, it's the red letters of your Bible. So just stick it out in the red letters for a little while and hear from our King, hear from our Lord and Savior, our Master Jesus. Well, today is week number two, and we're gonna be looking at a text in John's Gospel. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to John 4. But I'm not preaching today. I'm listening and taking notes with you. And I'm so excited to introduce absolutely one of my favorite preachers, in our town especially, and Stephanie and I, are, are we are faithful to this church, we love it here, but I'm telling you, there's a couple preachers in this town that I love to listen to, and one that I always listen to, and he pastors uh, the fastest growing church in our city, probably one of the fastest growing churches in, in America, to be honest with you, but he's humble, he's funny, he's kind, and he's country, everybody, so he's gonna fit right in with us, and I told him this is a wild crowd, this is my amen group, don't let me down. He pastors a church in town on the other side of town that we are just such great brothers and such great friends. We talk a lot and we are going together to build great churches for the city of Clarksville. Would you give it up for the pastor of Mosaic Church, Pastor Anthony Daly. Come on, everybody. All right. Well, that's great walkout music right there. Come on, somebody. You doing all right today? What... A gift from God you have here at LifePoint in Pastors Mike and Stephanie. What a gift from God. And he didn't ask me to, yeah, right? He didn't ask me to say anything, but I just want to say the reputation for generosity and life change that is taking place as a result of what's proclaimed here, how you serve and how you give is spreading like wildfire. I just, I want to be like Pastor Mike when I grow up. Seriously, I feel like Mosaic Church is, is um, walking behind what you guys are plowing through. And we have been a recipient of so much grace that God has put on this, this ministry. And we're grateful for our friendship. We're truly friends. And I'm just thankful for him and Steph. And we just bless you guys big time today. Grateful to share this platform. I've got a word, hopefully, for you today if you have an ear to hear, right? How many know that the sower sows the word, the word's good. You determine what's gonna grow as a result of that, amen? And so if you'll open your hearts and open your Bibles, let's just jump into the word of the Lord. I'm gonna invite you to your feet, actually, if you don't mind, just the way I like to do things. My wife's not here, she'll be here uh, later. She has some responsibilities at Mosaic this morning, but um, I am the husband of one wife. I'm rejoicing with the wife of my youth, 35 years of marriage next month. I have two great kids and two better grandkids. Anybody got grandkids? If we could only have them first. I think the best thing about it is we get to send them home. We just don't have to keep them. Praise the Lord. We are going to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 4. We're going to read verse 21 through 23. Again, this is the second message in this new series that you've started. He said, and this is what he said. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. 
You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper, notice that, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. That word seeketh means going about with an intention to find. God's looking for someone to worship him in spirit and truth. And let me give you one more verse right quick. A few pages over, John chapter 10. Read verse 7. John 10 verse 7. Jesus said unto them again. Notice that. Verily, verily. That, that repeated phrase means he's amplifying his voice. He just went to another octave. I don't know if you heard me the first time. Let me say it to you again. This is important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus said, listen up. I am the door. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word today. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable unto you in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, look at somebody as you're getting your seat and say, God's looking for you. Tell them, say, God's looking for you. You can get your seat. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being a part of the conversation as well. It's an interesting text. Pastor Mike and I was even talking about how it creates so much controversy and definition of what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. But to grab the larger context of the conversation, it started with perspective. Jesus has come up to a woman at a well, you know the story well, and she is engaging him in this conversation, or rather, let me say this, he has engaged her in a conversation for soliciting some water, and then she's like, I don't understand why you are asking me for water. I, I don't know why you're engaging me. I, I, I think that's, a, that's one of the humbling things that I find in my relationship with God, and I bet you do as well. Knowing that the creator of the heavens and the earth knows everything about us. I mean, it's one thing for him to know how I'm acting, to be witnessing my behavior. But I tell you, it's a whole other level when he gets in my mind. The psalmist said he knows my thoughts are far off. Sometimes I wished he didn't know them. Right? Because, I mean, if we get in some kind of confrontation, God forbid, I may use my Jesus on the outside, but on the inside, it's all of a sudden you've lost every tooth in your mouth. I mean, I punched you so hard, teeth went flying. And I'm smiling at you. God bless you. I love you. I'm sorry. But on the inside, you just got jacked up. I mean, I got you down on the ground just kick. Come on, don't look at me like that. Like, you don't know what I'm talking about right here. Right? You know how we, we are. And yet... And yet, like the woman who has a lot of issues in life, there Jesus is being intentional to find her, to get in her space. And she's struggling to, to recognize it. And, and so he says, listen, if you could see what's right in front of you, if you could just see what's right in front of you, you would ask me for some living water. And I've got something that I'll give you that you will never thirst again. And notice that she shifts She's like, you don't even have a bucket to draw from. Now she's looking in the natural for something that he's offering in the spirit. It's a lot like Christians today. We gauge our faith on what is evident with our perspective, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Sometimes God is making a presentation and you have to look past the obvious in order to embrace the invitation that is being offered in the moment. Look at somebody and say, God's looking for the worshiper. So, so he, he, she, she's got a perspective problem. Life is right in front of her and she can't see it. And the engagement continues where Jesus is now going to reveal the spiritual side of who he is. And he says, go get your husband. Well, I, I'm, I'm not married. He said, you, okay, you said that right. You've had five. Can't be all their problems. You've had five. And the one that you're living with now is not your husband. Now she shifts and, and she understands something spiritual is taking place because he's pulling her. He's trying to get her out of a perspective of the natural into a perspective of the spirit. Then she, then she shifts the conversation about worship because she perceives, oh, that you're a prophet. Let's talk about worship then. And she wants to make worship about geography. We're worshiping here in, Mount, in, in her sphere, Mount Gerizim which was a place that Israel had a second temple, if you will. And so the, she's worshiping in Mount Gerizim and she's engaging and she's just having a conversation that worship is geography and Jesus basically says worship is not geography. It's a position, but it's not a geographical one. And then he says, this is the key. Those that worship the Lord, because this is the time, this is the place. Back in the day, you went to a building, but now is the time when you must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's talking about a position. Spirit, the Greek word pneuma, is breath, wind. It's what you give your voice to. When you speak, wind comes out pneuma in the Greek. It also represents Holy Spirit. But in the context, he's saying here, those that worship God, worship him with their breath, their voice from a position of truth. So I have a clear perspective of what truth is and now I'm giving God glory based upon the revelation of the truth that he's given me and now I'm giving my voice, my spirit, my worship to him. I got one, I got one. After all of that, I got one amen in the whole building. I thought this was the fired up bunch. God's looking for three things in all of scripture. Three things. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Ezekiel 22, 30. He's looking to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, 10. And he's looking for the true worshiper. He's looking for somebody that'll give their words, their wind, their breath. Let everything that... Somebody back there knew it. Somebody half breath, praise the Lord. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He is he who was and is and is to come. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. He is El Shaddai, El Elyon. Everything that comes out of our mouth should be directed at giving God glory and giving God praise. I'm giving him my spirit, my wind, because I know the truth of who he is. I am preaching so much better than yourself, but it's okay anyway. Are you hearing me in this place? Look at somebody and say, you need to get your praise on. You need to get your praise on. Let, 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 me, let me take it to a place for you and put you in the position of what is by God's design to be mobile. Back in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel have came out of Egypt. And now they're on a track to the promised land. And they've got to stop at Mount Sinai, or it's called Mount Horeb in other places. 
And God has extended an invitation to Moses to come up to a higher plane, to come up into the mountain, because he wants to give him a a revelation of something in the spirit so that he can act it out in the natural. I'm just waiting on you on that one. I'm just waiting on you on that one. Isn't that what he's always doing? Trying to give us a revelation of his son from a spiritual perspective so that the light of the world could be reflected into the lights of the world? See, he's the greater light that rules the day. We're the lesser light that rules the night. And the only way the moon has any illuminating factors is because it's in alignment with the sun. And I see the sun, and I'm in alignment with the sun, and when the sun shines on me, bam! It looks like that I'm light, but the light in me is really the light that is shining on me. Look at somebody and say, you need to loose your praise. Exodus chapter 25 picks up a text of this revelation that God is wanting to introduce him to in verse 8 and 9. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I will show thee. Here you go. After the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So God says here, he took him up into a mountain and he gave him a spiritual insight a blueprint, if you will, of something that is in the heavens. You can read about it in Revelation. Study the book of Revelations, and you'll see the tabernacle and all its furnishings there in the book of Revelation. So Moses has got an insight to something in the spirit, a pattern of how things operate. And God says, bring that pattern back down to the earth, because why? God wants proximity. The purpose in the revelation was relationship. That's the purpose of the revelation, was proximity of God to the person. He said, if you'll build this, I'll come and hang out with you in the context of what you build. But it has to be according to the pattern. Let them make a sanctuary. Here's the purpose, that I may dwell among them. The tabernacle is how God gained access back to humanity and how humanity gained access back to God. It was the It was the pattern of worship and relationship that God was giving to Israel. Something like this. God said, I want you to make it according to the pattern that I show you. So God gave him a revelation of this tabernacle. Now, I'm just going to let you know you're not going to be able to read it, but it's for me, not you. He said, I want you to make this 75 feet by 150 foot structure. I want you to put a door on the front of it. I want you to put an altar. I want you to put a laver. And then I want you to put a tent in the middle of it that has two rooms, door there and a door there. This was about 45 feet by 15 feet, making this 15 by 15 and this uh, 30 by 15. I'm from Stewart County. I had to think about that. I had to think about that. So, 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 so he says, this is what I want you to make. And this is the place that I'm going to meet you. And this is the place I'm going to hang out with you. Mind you, he's speaking to the children of Israel who have came out of Egypt, who were craftsmen in building pyramids and ornate structures and temples to worship. And then so God, the creator of heavens and the earth, come out and he gives them this design to build out in the wilderness. And it looks something like this. This is a, a, a mock-up of what's in Jerusalem today. Let me show this picture. Look at that. The creator of the heavens and the earth said, I want you to build this and this is where I'm going to meet you. 
You know what that looks like? That looks like somebody's campsite with a burn barrel and a wash station and a tent thrown up. If, if you're passing by, the obvious is there's no life in it. She's in front of Jesus, right? And he's offering living water, but all she sees is something that looks ordinary. Because in every aspect, Jesus is ordinary. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, describes Jesus as having no form nor comeliness. When you looked at him, you didn't even desire him as a man. He wasn't tall, dark, and handsome. As a man, he might have been ugly. He probably smelled bad. He had dreadlocks by force. When you're out in the wilderness 40 days and you ain't got water, that hair's matting up. Somebody come on up in here. He wore sandals in the wilderness. How bad was his feet? Come on, when you seen him and he had been journeying through life, he looked ordinary. He didn't look like the king. He didn't look like the Messiah. Sometimes God will wrap his gift in something that looks so ordinary. I come to tell you today, I believe God's got some gifts wrapped in this place that on the outside, you don't look like nothing special, but there's a treasure in the earthen vessel. I'm gonna act Pentecostal and scare the Baptist if you don't watch out. Are you hearing me? He, he, he's, he said... Make this. And when you've seen it and walked by, you wouldn't have thought that the creator of the heavens and the earth was a part of that. How could he? That's bland. That doesn't make any sense. But maybe God wanted them to see something different that they had to get into in order to see the beauty of it. The walls were seven and a half feet high. So passing by, you couldn't see what's on the inside. You just looked at the white sheets that were on the outside. But once you come through the door, then the landscape changed. There's a lot of people struggling with the kingdom of God in a relationship with Jesus because they're trying to look at it from the outside. They're trying to reach their conclusion based upon the obvious. You don't have no bucket to draw from. How are you going to satisfy my needs? But maybe God wanted to show them something different. For instance, when you came through the door, there was an altar. It's called a brazen altar. That's key because there's three types of metals used. It's brass, silver, and gold. Brass always represents judgment. The book of Revelations describes Jesus' feet as being brass. There was a brazen laver. There was a lampstand. Had seven branches on it. There was an altar of incense. And then there was a table of showbread. And finally, they were the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe what God wanted them to see might not have been obvious on the outside, but once you got on the inside, maybe the perspective was somewhat different. Maybe hidden in the message was something that God was wanting to show humanity all along. Maybe there was... A revelation, Jesus Christ slain from the foundation of there. Can I tell you, Jesus and the cross is not God's makeup plan between the white pages of the Old and New Testament. Jesus and the cross was God's plan from the very 
beginning of time. And he has been wrapping this plan. And God says, if you'll build me this, I'll meet you here. I'll meet you at the cross. And when you get the revelation of this, then your wind, your words will worship me out of a place of authenticity based upon the truth of the revelation that you discover in him. Are you hearing me in here? Are, are you hearing me in here? And, and, and so God is trying to give us a differing perspective because Jesus is the altar and the sacrifice on the altar. When we're introduced to his ministry, uh, Luke chapter four, John chapter, I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter three, Jesus is coming down to meet John the baptizer. He's coming down to the water and John sees him, says, behold, the lamb of God that's gonna take away the sins of the world because this is the place where sin was to be dealt with. And he identifies him as the sacrifice on the altar. So Jesus is the altar, the sacrifice on the altar. And then when Jesus gets in the water, some amazing things happen. So he's going to go down in the water at the request of John saying, I need you to baptize me. And you're asking me to baptize you. And he said, suffer to be that we fulfill all righteousness. In essence, is what he's telling John is we're going to do it God's way, not our way. We're going to, righteousness, the right way in God, the right place in God. And he said to John, we're going to do it God's way after his pattern. Why would he say that? One reason that Jesus is now 30 years of age. You had to be 30 years old to begin the ministry. And the way you began ministry in the Old Testament was you dealt with your sin and then you come to the laver. At the laver, you would take your old clothes off. The, the priest would wash you. And you would then put a linen white robe on. The laver was the place where you got exposed that you needed to die. That's what water baptism is. Water baptism is when you go into the grave... And then you come out and you're a new person. The old person laid down, the new person got up. It also comes in Old Testament. It's not only identity, which is what we make it in church is all about identity with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But it's not just identity, it's also commissioning. Because once I got washed and robed, I am now commissioned for service. That's why you should be on a dream team. In this place, there's no seats because everybody's on their feet. This place wasn't a place to consume. This was a place to do ministry. This was a place of serving. You can be quiet. He didn't put me up to that. It's a laver. So we start at the feet where, where, where the altar, where the sacrifice is. Then we come to laver with the washing. At the washing, Jesus finds identity, right? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the language is amazing, right? Immediately the spirit descends on him. The lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. It's seven branches because there's seven different uh, characteristics of Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, one and two, describes for you all seven of those attributes. Revelations chapter two says that Jesus is he who has the seven spirits of God. So there's seven expressions of the one Holy Spirit, seven different attributes represented by the lampstand. So Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open, God says, that's my boy. 
and the Spirit sat upon him. Guess what happened next? The very next thing, he was led by the Holy Spirit to prayer because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't entertain, he intercedes. That's like good. Did you hear me? Intercession is standing between humanity and God and building the bridge. Allowing humanity to cross over through your ministry and experience God and allowing God to bring his kingdom to earth through your intercession. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. It's a bridge, it's a place. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he begins to pray and the conversation turns from intercession to bread. Turn these stones to bread. And Jesus says, man lives by the word of God. Notice the the bread had 12 loaves on it. Excuse me, the table, it was called the table of showbread, the bread of his presence, the bread of his face. It had 12 loaves, which signified the kingdom of God in Old Testament terminology as it relates to the 12 sons of Jacob. But in New Testament terminology, which make up the 24 elders, are the 12 apostles. And so now you have the ministry of the kingdom. John describes the kingdom of God in the city of Jerusalem lying 12 square. 12 foundations, the apostles, 12 gates, the Old Testament uh, uh, sons of Jacob. 12 is the thing. So here's what's happening. Ministry is to rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal the government and the kingdom of God so that you can pray it into earth, that you become an intercessor. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's building the bridge. And then the final piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark. The, The Ark was where the covenantal stones were kept. It was the box of covenant, but you could only get through to the covenant through the mercy seat. There was a lid on top of the box called the mercy seat. That lid was made of pure gold and had two angels cast in gold on each end of the mercy seat. And one day a year, every year, the high priest would go into that room because it had a door there, had a door there, and an angel would go into that room and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. He was making atonement. That's why 1 John says Jesus is the propitiation, that's a King James word, for our sins. It means that he's the mercy seat. And so Jesus was wounded how many times? Seven times. Because that's how many times the high priest would sprinkle that ark. That's what, this is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The, the Ark of the Covenant, the place that covenant is initiated, is in the atoning death and the resurrection of Jesus. So when John and James ran down to the, to the grave and they go, man, guess what they say? They describe it this way. I saw an angel at the head and an angel at the feet. And there lied the broken dead body, or there was the broken dead body of Jesus that had now been resurrected. Guess what was left behind? Seven sprinklings of blood, two hands, two feet, a side, a, a head, a brow, and a back. Seven, you can't make that up. You just can't even fabricate that to make sense. God's intention was, here you go, for us, for this to be the place of worship. This was where worship took place. It didn't take place on the outside. It took place here. Let me, let me, around this tabernacle were 60 posts. There were 60 posts all around the tabernacle. I'm coming somewhere. Hold on. This is not to scale. 60 posts all around the tabernacle, and each post had a rope tied to it for stability because the structure is held up by something denoted in these ropes. Let me say this. Between each post was a white linen sheet. 
I told you what white linen represented, right? Righteousness. For he who knew no sin became our sin that we could become the righteousness in him. This whole thing was encamped about righteousness. Righteousness was the boundary. The post held up righteousness, but the ropes is what brought stability. And if you were Jewish in the day, you would call these ropes spirit and truth. So Jesus is saying to the lady, he's saying, no, we're no longer worshiping in geography. We're no longer worshiping in Jerusalem alone or out here at Mount Gerizim. No, he said, this thing is mobile. See, because that was a mobile movement God gave to his people so that they could take up the cross and move through their wilderness into the place of their promise. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but it's okay anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The assignment of the church today is the same thing, to take the pattern that God has built and to take it up. It's mobile. It's not a building. It's not brick and mortar. It's not a piece of property. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing that resides in you that makes you house the presence of God in your life. Are you hearing me? Are you? Faith cometh by hearing, right? If you're showing me just a campsite with a burn barrel and a hand washing station and a tent in the wilderness, that's not attractive. But if you're showing me that God so loved me that he gave his son to die on the cross for me, then that's a whole different situation all, all together. So Jesus is saying, no, no, no. We're not worshiping with man's hands, but worship still happens. Here you go, in spirit and truth. What, what am I saying? When you are in the righteousness of God, your breath, your spirit, your wind, your words are given to praise him. In here, you're not asking for cars. You're not asking for 401Ks. You're not asking for new houses. You don't pray like that in here because you don't care about any of that. Those are not, what we've gotten good at is we're out here trying to be told what's in here and we're trying to pull what's in here out here. James says you ask amiss when you ask like that because you're trying to consume on your lust. You don't get to this place in God and make it all about you. You get to this place in God and understand it's about the entire world and I have an assignment to make to make sure the whole world knows that he is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If he's healed you, if he saved you, if he kept you, if you're married today and your kids are okay, you ought to have something to say about the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, somebody. This right here is the door. This is the door. This is where Jesus stands. You know what I love about the door? Well, it was 30 feet wide. And because I'm preaching today, I get to make it up. That's why he was 30 years old. I don't really say that. I'm just making it up. It's 30 foot wide. It's a big door. It's not a small door. That door doesn't have a gatekeeper. You can keep playing. That door doesn't have a gatekeeper. Nobody's standing at the door asking for your qualifications to get in the room. 
Nobody's asking you, can you quote the Romans Road? Did you sing? Have you prayed this week? There's nobody saying in, there's no qualification at that door. Whosoever will, let him come and drink from the water freely. He said, girl, I got something to give you. And if you can catch the spirit of what I'm saying to you, if you can see who I am, I, he tells her plainly, I am the Messiah. Her life is wrecked. I thought you was a dreadlock, hippie loving dude living out in the will. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. I've got to go tell somebody. That sister runs to the city and says, come, let me show you a man who has told me and for that sister to say, told me everything she was saying, he knows it all and he yet still loves me. He knows it all. And he yet still, Jesus said, I'm the door. There's no other way to the Father except through the Son. No other way. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's in him I live, I move, ministry, and I have my being. He said, if any man abide in me, in this place, he can ask what he will. He can ask what he will. Because when you're living in the illumination, that's what that is, justification, sanctification, glorification, it's a process that only revelation creates the continuum for your greater ministry to explode in your life. He said to her, no, no, no. This thing is mobile. You worship in the pattern that God has set. Jesus is the pattern. He's worth singing over. He's worth surrendering to. He's worth dying for. My question to you is, who wants to come in? Who, who? Right? That wonderful message last week, come unto me, all you that are laboring and heavy laden, take, learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. Come. This is the invitation. I stand at the door, knocking. If you'll open up, he said, I'm, 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 I'm in. Knowing all your thoughts, knowing all your miscues, that woman had, had, was with the sixth man. Five divorces. You know how broken she was? You know how many missed moments she had lived through? It doesn't even tell us all the relationships that may have been involved in the breakup of the marriage. By context, she wasn't a good person. But he wasn't coming to qualify. He was coming to lead her to become the worshiper that God wanted. But she had to get in the pattern. Come on, stand to your feet. <laughs> Come on, just open your hearts. Do me a favor, just close your eyes because you'll look at people and they'll distract you. Sometimes you just gotta close your eyes and get out of the room and get in to the space. I, I have images of what Jesus looks like and they could be shaped by the passion or, or movies or whatever, but I grab those images because they provoke, they're meaningful. The Bible says, set your affections on things that are above where Christ sitteth. I think 
somebody's been on the outside today. And people have been trying to convince you of something that based upon your perspective, you just don't get. Why do you sing? Why do you say those things about him? Well, because we're true worshipers. That means we have come into a truth and we're going to give our wind, our breath, our words to him. He's done demonstrated. He knows all about me and yet he still loves me. The cross was God's plan for you from the beginning. And who in this place today would say, Pastor Anthony, I want to come in. I want to become a devoted follower of Jesus. I want to give my life to him today. If you're in this place, just raise your hand and let me see you. Just, I know God's called me here for you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you so much for your boldness. I see your hands. Well, access is just through revelation. Hear me. Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. Why? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And when you know that with your heart and you confess it with your mouth, he'll save you. So that becomes the key to unlocking a life journey that only ends with eternal life in Christ. So if, you, if you've raised your hands, you've raised your heart, I want to just, we're going to join you and we're going to just say a corporate prayer right now. Just going to say a corporate prayer right now. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for me. And I believe that you raised him from the dead for my life. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. And be my Lord in Jesus' name. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.